28, 29, live like this, blah, 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 and you, might, you will attract some not-so-great stuff in your life. Live like this, you'll attract some blessing of God, and there'll be some good stuff in your life. A little bit like you know, cause and effect or consequence. Call it whatever you want. Spiritual law, I don't really care. But he says, if you do this, this will happen, do this, this will happen. He goes on. Then at the end, he actually makes a plea to them. He goes, here's the deal. I set before you life and death, blessing, cursing. Now, please choose life. You know, It's like, here's the exam, Owen, and I'm going to give you the answer as well. Please get the answer right. But as we know, Israel, guess what? They got the answer wrong. They got the exam, they got the answer paper right next to them, and they still got to fail. <laughs> but that's like us. We know right and we know wrong, and we still pick up the pen and we still tick the wrong box and we still do the wrong thing and so on. I want to digress from there for a little bit because there's something on my heart. Something happened in the last week or so that came to my attention. And there's a couple of high-profile Christian um, thinkers, or we would call them today influencers, you know, if you're on social media and you've got more than X amount of thousand followers, you're what they now call an influencer and you can influence the world and, and uh, that's the beauty of social media apparently. It can be a beautiful thing but it can be a very disastrous thing as well depending on why you're influencing them, what's your motivation and where are you influencing people to go. Well, this week there's been a couple of people that have come on out <coughs> and if you can just bear with me this morning. I just came in this morning as I do and I just had a flurry of thoughts so I've just written some things down as quick as I could and, and hopefully it makes sense as we go on. A guy called Joshua Harris. Joshua Harris wrote a book some years back called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Some of you may have heard of Joshua Harris. You may have even read the book. It was actually the book that sparked the purity movement amongst American teenagers where they started going, you know, I'm not, um, no sex outside of marriage and, and I'm not going to uh, just date for the sake of it and so on. And, and it, it created a real groundswell amongst uh, young, young kids in America. And it was a really powerful book, a lot of powerful stuff in it and so on. Joshua Harris has come out very recently with a tweet, as they do. That's how they communicate to the world now is via tweets and Twitters and stuff. And Joshua Harris has come out and he said this, I no longer believe in God. I'm now an atheist. And it was quickly followed up by a second tweet saying, I'm leaving my wife. <laughs> Here's a guy that has influenced a whole generation of young people towards faith. And I wonder if those hundreds of thousands or however many people that are following him that have perhaps allowed their faith to be built on what this guy has communicated, what he has said. We do this. We can, we can say it's not true, but it is. There is a celebrity culture in Western Christianity. We have our favourites. Okay, we do. We have our favourites and, and, and we love to, to start Twitter feeds and we love that sort of stuff and we love to be followed and we love people liking and we, we, we love to have more followers and this and that and we can, we can talk about that till the cows come home. But, but we've just got to realise that it's real. Now, with that kind of influence comes a great responsibility as well. And here's a guy who has hundreds of thousands of people following him, and now he's saying, this guy, that, that maybe possibly people have built their faith on what this person has had to say, and now this person's basically going, I'm going to remove everything I said, it was all untrue, and now I'm going to ditch my faith. My first question is, why do you feel the need to tell the hundreds of thousands of people you've taken in this direction that you're now going to go in this direction? The negative of that is I wonder how many of those people will now pick up their bags and head off in that direction as well. I wonder how many will do it. In the last week, another person has come out on social media, and some of you might know a guy called Marty Sampson, who was a Hillsong worship leader for a long time, and um, um, the Hillsong youth bands and all that sort of stuff. He's just come out recently with a tweet and a post saying, basically, um, I'm losing my faith, and I'm, I'm, I'm not caring anymore about stuff. And I just want to read some of what he's had to say, and then I want to just talk about something that won't be new to you but I want to hopefully ram home to you the importance of why I badger on about it every single week. Here's what he said. 
He said, time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith. And it doesn't bother me. Like, what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now, so at peace with the world, it's crazy. This is a soapbox moment, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Neither of those facts are true. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be love, yet send four billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Not true. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. This is very sad. I'm not in anymore. I want genuine truth, not the I just believe it kind of truth. Now, I can associate, I understand a little bit of that statement. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their lives not just one version of God. Got so much more to say, but for me, I'm keeping it real. Unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. Well, I'd like to sit down and say, you probably were. That's why you tweet, and that's why you have millions of followers. You are actually living your life for others, and you've influenced others to go in a certain direction. Now you've picked up your handbag or your suitcase, whatever, and now you're saying, I wanna, I'm letting you know because I'm going to now start leading and influencing over here. Why the need... Why this incredible need to take people in one direction and then to say to society and to the world? I mean, when somebody's an atheist uh, going one way, I don't see all these blogs. I don't then feel the need to get on and go, well, now I'm a Christian and I'm going to... It's just bizarre to me. But here's here's the thing I want to get to. And I rattle on about it every week, but I want us to get a hold of it because we... I I went to Sydney recently, me and, and Jackie, and Jackie did something she's never done before in her whole life. She stayed awake for the whole trip. She has never stayed awake for the whole journey. We get in the car, and here's what happens. We get in the car, and I turn it on, and, and usually the, the first couple of minutes I'll argue about what radio station or what music. And I'll stand my ground because I have history and fact in my favour. You'll be asleep in two minutes anyway. So I don't want to listen to your stuff because in two minutes you're asleep, you're asleep, you're all asleep, and then it's just me. So I will have what I want to have because at the end of the day, I'm going to be the only one listening anyway. But she stayed awake the entire trip start to finish and she made comics. I've never seen that bridge before, never seen that. Yeah, we've driven up and down the highway here to Sydney a thousand times. Oh, look at that bridge. What's that? It's like you would see it all the time. <laughs> but you know, I think church is a little bit like that. I think somewhere we've got in the car with God And we've gone to sleep thinking, well, God will just take us where we need to be anyway. We can just sleep. And God will just get us there. It's a bit like our personal lives, you know. I've given my heart to Christ now. That's all I've got to do. Now I'm guaranteed to be the person I'm meant to be, to be as successful as I'm meant to be successful, to grow in all areas of my life as I should and so on. And I'm going to land in that place without any participation or nothing. God will just drive the vehicle. And we propagated this by saying stupid things like, give your life to Jesus and he'll jump in, he'll grab the steering wheel of your life. No, he won't. No, he won't. <laughs> There's not your, this book I read from, it says things like, uh, therefore renew your mind. It's because I came to faith. My mind didn't change. I didn't stop thinking. Think, you know, I've got to do something to renew it. Uh, didn't, 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 didn't Paul write to uh, the Romans, you know, present your bodies a living sacrifice? I've got to do something with that. I, you know, 
In, in all you're getting, get wisdom, get understanding, get knowledge, add to that this, add to that. I mean, come on, we read this thing, there's stuff we've got to do. Amen? There's stuff we've got to do to land where we need to land and to be who we need to be. We didn't get saved and check our brains out. In, in, in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, there was this thing that we all know about. There was two of them that are especially dominant in the story in the beginning, and they were what two trees? Why put two trees there? Why give us a choice between doing the right thing and the wrong thing? Why give us a choice anyway? Because we're created to have that capacity to choose. God wants us to choose. He wants us to make choices. He wants us to make right choices, good choices, godly choices that will take us to where we need to go. That's what God wants. Some of us are a little bit like we're a backwards version of Pinocchio. You know, Pinocchio, I want to be a boy. You know, I don't want to be pulled on the strings. I want to be a boy. We get saved and go, I want to be a puppet. God, would you do everything? Would you make everything happen, God? I want to be a puppet. God doesn't create puppets. He's given us a free will. He wants us to choose and so on. But he, he, here's what I want us to see out of, out of what I'm seeing here with these posts and so on. Here's, here's, here's the thing I, wanna, I want you to think about. And I rattle on every week and I want you to catch it. Our faith is an event-based faith. It is not a book-based faith. Our faith hinges on an event that happened in human history called the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. It does not hinge on a book. And I hate calling it a book, and you know that because it's not a book. It's 66 ancient historical manuscripts compiled together uh, for the first 400 years of the life of what we call church. They did not have this thing the way we got it. Matter of fact, there are lots of uh, periods in church history where they didn't even know these other documents existed, yet they still made inroads into their community. They still shaped destiny. They, they, they still did things of great value for the kingdom in their societies where they were without all of this. Now, our faith is an event-based faith. It's not a book-based faith. We've got to get back to realizing that the message we have to communicate to the world. The question we have for the world is not how many animals went in the ark. Was it four or six? And let's go to seminary for 10 years and work it out. Was creation a literal seven days or a figurative seven days? And let's go to seminars and and, and write books and and let's work it out. How can we answer this question? Was it seven days literally or was it more than that? Was it... Who gives a flip? Do you think that that's what they argued about? Do you think that was what they were passionate about? Do you think that's what the early church were focused on? Was, hey, was creation a literal or a figurative? How many animals did actually go on the boat? Well, let's think about that for a second. Something happened. An actual historical event happened. A man called Jesus walked about claiming to be somebody. Claiming to be the son of God. <laughs> he wasn't the only one at the time. By the way, lots of people claimed to be sons of gods and sons of... But Jesus did something that none of those other people did. He predicted his own death and predicted he would rise from the dead. Not only did he predict it, he went and did it. He went and did it. And when he's in a garden, he's praying, and these guards come on in, these guards grab him, and they try to take him away. Just after he prays this beautiful prayer, he says, Lord, if we can do this another way, I sure would like it. I'll take that option. But hey, it's not about my will, it's about yours. What's he doing? He's making a tough choice. He's making a tough choice. 
This is the thing about choices. Sometimes choices don't feel good. Just because it's the right choice doesn't mean it feels good. There's nowhere in, in the history of the writing of here where I see anywhere there where God's promised every good choice is going to feel good. You know how you'll know if it's the right choice? It'll feel good. If it feels right, do it. That's how the society's got it in the place it's in right now because if it feels good, do it. And he prays his prayer and the guards come, they grab him, they take him away. And what happens to all those people that were following him and so on? Took off. Here were the friends. Gone. What, what causes a man like Peter? What causes a guy like Peter who big mouths his way through the whole show, talking a big game, and when the rubber meets the road, bolts off, stands at a distance, and a little servant girl says, I know that you're one of them. You've got that same southern Galilean hillbilly accent as the rest of them. And Peter goes, get away from me. I don't know him. And a rooster crows. Just like Jesus said it was going to happen. What causes that man who can't even testify of his belief in Jesus in front of a 12-year-old servant girl to find himself one day being crucified, as, as history will tell us, potentially upside down because of the very faith that he denied to a 12 What happened? I'll tell you what didn't happen. He didn't find a scripture verse. He didn't find a passage in the Bible. He saw something. He saw a man that was dead living again. I heard a preacher say once, How, what would you have to do to get your brother to believe that you were the Son of God? James, the brother of Jesus. Didn't believe for the whole lifetime of Jesus Christ that he was who he said he was. Yet later on we find him heading up the church in Jerusalem. What happened? Did he find a scripture verse? What would it take to transform him from being that person to being that person? He saw someone that he knew was dead, alive. Saul of Tarsus is running around breathing murderous threats against this movement. And by the way, that's what the church is. We are a movement. We are not a gather- We're not just a, a silo where we pour ourselves in. We're meant to be a movement. The church is meant to be a movement. When you think of movements, what do you think of? Action, activity, we're going somewhere, we're infiltrating, we're spreading, we're doing stuff. The church is a movement. Saul runs around to destroy that movement, doing everything he can to get rid of that movement. What turns that man into a guy that writes two-thirds of the letters that have been gathered together and placed in what we would now call the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament, and has his head taken? When all he has to do at one point is turn around and go, okay, show's over, you got me, I don't really believe anymore. Why couldn't he do that? Why could these guys not do that? Why did so many of them go on to their death? They didn't die for something they heard. They didn't die for something that they read. They died for something they saw. Their testimony and their faith was built on an event, not a book. Now, please don't hear me downgrading this. I am not downgrading it. But go back for the first... If if your whole faith revolves around this, then for the first 400 years of church's existence, you would have struggled. Because there wasn't much to hang your hat on. There wasn't a lot there. 
Now, here's my problem. I read some of this stuff that he's got to say. And I think, Marty, if I could sit down with you, I'd say this, Marty, you're dancing around and blaming all the secondary issues without addressing the primary issue. I sat down recently with a friend of mine in Sydney, and he made this statement to me. He wanted to bring up Israel Folau. He knows I'm a pastor, so he wants to talk to me about Israel Folau. And I know exactly what he wants to do. He wants to talk to me about a statement made about the um, LGBT community. He wants me to align myself with, are they going to hell or are they? Not? He, that's all he wants. And I said to him, here's the deal. I've, I, I'm not going to talk to you about Israel Folau, but I will talk to you about Jesus Christ, death, buried, resurrected. Did it happen? Yes or no? Because if it didn't happen, then that statement's irrelevant. Who cares? Who cares? So let's forget the secondary issues. Let's go right to the primary issue. The primary issue is this. There was a man called Jesus Christ going to be the Son of God. Was born, predicted his own death, burial, resurrection, carried it out, came back to life. Do you believe it? Yes or no? Because that, from that point on, then everything else comes into place. But the most important primary message we have for the world is that there was a man called Jesus, the Son of God, came and died for the sin of the world. Let's talk about that. Let's look at that as an issue. Let's see where we stand on that basis. The rest of the stuff are all secondary issues, but we get so caught up in the secondary issues. We go to Bible colleges and we study all the secondary issues. We want to have all the arguments to come here and to go there and so on. Who cares? It all rises and falls on one moment, and that moment was an actual event in human history called the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. That moment in history changed everything. If it didn't happen, you're all clowns wasting a beautiful Sunday morning, and so am I. But if it did happen, if it did happen, if Jesus Christ did do what he said that he did, then maybe we should take seriously everything else that Jesus said about life and human existence and the afterlife. But if he didn't do that, then who cares? The primary issue, the foundation of our faith is an event, not a book. But you know what? Here's what society has done. Society has got us caught up in an argument about a book. Society's got us, hook, line, and sinker. They've, they've caught us in an argument about a book. See, I kind of feel like the church, we're a little bit like, 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 like Jackie. We, 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 we got in the car with God and we went to sleep. And while we went to sleep, when we woke up, we thought we'd be at the destination. We weren't. We're still sitting in the same place we were when we went to sleep. But guess what? The world has moved on. And it's become scientific, and it's become this, and it's become that, become that. We open up our eyes and go, gee, we better catch up with them. And now we're chasing them. I heard a preacher saying recently, we've made church more interesting, but people are less interested. We've got a problem. I'm part of the problem. We've got to find solutions. And I think one of the big solutions is this. Let's get back to what our faith is built on. It's built on an event, not a book. The foundation of our faith is an actual event that happened in human history. The discussion I want to have with the world around me is not were there two animals or four, not was it a literal seven or a figurative seven, all that sort of stuff. Look, I don't care. Debate it till the cows come home. No one's going to get saved on the back of it. It's not going to cleanse your sin if you work that one out. Nobody can work most of this stuff out. We don't know. We don't know. But let's go back to that moment in time. Let's talk about the man, Jesus Christ. Let's talk about what he did. That's the battleground. And that's where we've been taken away from. We spend so much time and energy over here and all this stuff. We've walked away from what actually matters. We get in trouble because we're bought into a lie that the secondary issues are the primary issues. We spend all of our time trying to defend secondary issues. We've neglected the primary issue, which is the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. First Corinthians 15. I just want to read a few passages out of here. Paul, 
this guy that had this radical transformation from being anti-God, anti-church, had this radical transformation, died for this very faith. He writes a letter to a group of churches in an area called Corinth, a city called Corinth, and here's what he says. <laughs> Chapter 15, verse 3 to 8, he says, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. By Scriptures, he's talking about what the Old Testament of the day, the Old Testament. That he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. In other words... There were guys thousands of years ago that predicted this was going to happen. That should get your attention. Forget Nostradamus. This was predicted. And that he was seen. Check this out. He was seen by Cephas or Peter. Then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brothers at once. That's a bold statement to write in a letter to someone in the day. Hey, guess what? I'm telling you about something that happened. I'm going to give you the names of some people who were still alive who saw it happen. I'm going to tell you there were another 500 people. We've got to get out of our head. This is a book. It's not a book. This is a letter written to a bunch of churches. If you, if you want to spread a lie, don't bring people's names into it. Because if one of them don't corroborate your story, you can be in all sorts of trouble. But he puts names. Hey, go and talk to Peter. Go and talk to this one. Hey, there were 500 other people. This is not a secret amongst those that follow him. This is not a secret. A lot of people saw it. They saw a dead man walking. They saw a dead man alive. A crucified guy resurrected. They saw it. And that's the basis of our faith. He was seen by the twelve. After that, he, he was seen by over 500 all at once, of whom a greater part remained to the present. Some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me as a man born out of Judah. He goes on. He says, you know what? The foundation of our faith is an event. We saw it. We can verify the fact that it happened. That, that's the battleground. It's an event. It's not justifying. It's not trying to explain. It's not trying to, to, to come up with all the reasons why this is right. Paul's drawing their attention to an event, not a doctrine. See, our faith is event-based. It's not book-based. Now here, going back to what Marty said, can I explain why preachers fall? Not always. No, not always. Sometimes I can have theories and ideas. I don't, I don't know their hearts. I'm not with most of these dudes. I don't know. Can I explain why they fall? No. But does that put Jesus back in the tomb? That's not a good argument, Marty. It's not a good reason to ditch your faith. Can I explain all the apparent contradictions in the Bible? Can I explain them all? No, I can't. But if anything, I'm actually quite in awe at the Bible because I've... Anyone ever played Chinese Whispers? I start over here with, with um, bacon and egg sandwich and by the time you get over there, Felicia's saying your mother's a hamster. I mean, five people can't get the same message passed down. So I'm really impressed that after all these thousands of years that this book seems to be still so coherent, still has so much of a thread about the Old Testament speaking about something that was going to come, the New Testament speaking about something that had already happened and it all being centred around the cross and the fluency and all this. I mean, I'm impressed after that amount of time when we can't even get Chinese whispers right. But if, even if I can't explain the apparent contradictions in the Bible, does that put Jesus back in a tomb? That doesn't. So not a good enough reason to throw your faith away unless, of course, your faith was based on that. Not an event, not a moment in history. Can I explain the whole eternal destination theory with 100% accuracy? He says, how can God send people to hell? Blah, blah, blah. I've got my theories and ideas, but you know what? They could be wrong. But at the end of the day, who cares about my theories and ideas? Here's the simple question. Does my theory or idea or inability to answer it, does it put Jesus back in a tomb? No, so you've still got an issue of a resurrected Jesus. What are you going to do about that? How does any of this stuff 
undermine the Christian faith unless you've built your Christian faith on all these secondary issues. The question for all of us is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. Paul goes on, he says this, If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. In other words, if Christ has not risen, then who cares about your doctrinal correctness? If Christ has not risen, then who cares about, about your theologies? Who cares about it all? Who cares about what else you surmise out of this book? If Jesus Christ did not die, buried, and was not resurrected, all the other stuff, who cares? Paul himself says it's just empty. It's useless. It's just a book. You might as well hang it up in the toilet. It's not worth the paper it's written on. Can, can, can you see where we're, we're losing it? We're losing it. We're fighting secondary battles that don't need to be won. Let people do that. That's fine. I'm not saying don't think about that stuff. I'm not saying don't have answers. What I'm saying is this. Getting all that stuff right, if your faith is based on understanding and having all that stuff right, it won't stand for long. Guys, way better than you and me have fallen left, right and center. I don't understand a lot of things about God, but I do know this. Jesus was crucified, buried and rose again. And nothing I feel, nothing I think, nothing I know, nothing I don't know, nothing I've experienced, can experience, will experience. Even if I turned my back on God, stood in front of you right now and said, I don't believe anymore, none of that would change that moment in history. Because I can't go back 2,000 years and change it. That's where your faith has to be grounded. It has to be grounded in something that happened 2,000 years ago. First Corinthians fifteen seventeen. Paul also says this. He says, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. In other words, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, then from a Christian perspective, we're all in big trouble. Because <laughs> there is no other way. Even if you've got all your right doctrine, guess what? I'm not going to deal with the sin issue. Sorry, Marty, even if you can explain why everybody falls, I'm not going to deal with your sin issue. Even if you can work out heaven and hell, I'm not going to deal with your sin issue, Marty. It's not going to change you. It's not going to change your society, your community. It's not going to change the world. I had a I heard a guy put it this way, and this is the best way I can explain it. He made this statement. He said, Our faith is based on an event, a resurrection, that birthed the movement, the church, that gave us the book, the Bible. Does that make sense? Our faith is based on an event. The event came first. And out of the event was birthed a movement. And that movement was called the church. And out of the church came this literature that we today call the Bible. But it started with an event. And I feel like as a church, we're being sucked into a debate over secondary issues. We're being sucked into debates over things that look at the end of the day, if we want to work it all out, go for it. I'm not against good deep thinking. I love deep thinkers. I'm a deep thinker myself. I don't speak a lot of deep stuff because personally, the deep thinking is for me. Most people don't need it. It's not going to make you love your wife any better. It's not going to help you overcome the struggles in your life. It's, it's, it's of no practical benefit to most people. So think those issues, deal with them, whatever, get in your debates and sit around tables and talk about it. Great. But at the end of the day, the biggest need of humanity is to answer this question, did or did not Jesus rise from the dead? If he did, then what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me and what does that mean for my community? I want to see us as a community of faith. I want to see us pick up the mantle because we have to. 
we can pat ourselves on the back and go, wow, we've got nice buildings and we've got great worship teams and lights and all kinds of things. You know what? Meanwhile, hundreds of thousands of people are getting further and further and further away from God, further and further less interested in God. And we're giving them the cannon fodder to use against us. Because some guy that's not a theologian's toenail gets on Facebook or gets on Google and picks out a random verse and then gives a big explanation about it and your kid reads it and goes, oh, that's what that means. And then you're trying to say, no, no, no. And he goes, no, no, what would you know? I read it online. I read it online. You don't need to pick up a Bible to work out what's in the Bible anymore. You don't have to come to church to hear what a preacher thinks about stuff now. You just click a button. It's the world we live in. And we've slowly been dragged into a debate about theology, doctrine, and all the secondary issues. Please, 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 let me leave you with this. Would you please go back, and when you walk out of here today, would you have a think about that moment in history? Would you have a think about it? It's not just recorded here. Roman historians wrote about Jesus. Greek historians wrote about Jesus. There's other evidence as well. But let's get back to looking at that moment in history and realizing that that's the moment that changed everything for you. That's the moment that changed everything for me. It was an event, not a doctrine. It was an event, not a book. It was an event, not a teaching. We need to build our faith on an event called the resurrection and when we talk to people and they want to debate doctrines and issues and so on be humble enough to go you know what i actually don't know whether it was two or four i don't know whether it was seven literally figuratively i don't know but here's the thing none of that really matters if jesus christ didn't do what he said he did so let's talk about jesus let's talk about jesus father i just pray for each of us here this morning god it's been a little bit different god than what we're probably normally used to lord but God, these influences, these followers, uh, God, I pray for them. I, I pray for them, Lord. They, <coughs> at some point, there must have been some spark of spiritual life. Uh, but God, maybe the foundation was not right, and maybe they were building their life on some other foundation, and it got to a certain point where it just collapsed. Lord, I pray for each of us in here that we would build our Christian life on the correct foundation and that is the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that moment in history that happened regardless of what we feel, what we see, what we think it happened and Lord if our foundation is not there then I pray God would you bring our, would you bring our heart across to that moment to settle that issue, God, so that no matter what comes against us, no matter what some smart preacher says or some charismatic person says or, or some animated uh, person shows us or whatever, God, that, that, but we can always go back to, yep, I, I, agree, I can agree with everything else you said. I don't get it. However, he did die. He was buried and he was resurrected. And because of that, the rest of it really, I can't throw my faith away. I can't walk away from this God that so loved me that he gave his only son. So, Lord, I pray that, that you would, Father, solidify that in each of our hearts, Lord. That God, we take up the challenge that we would walk out of here and, and make a decision. We're not going to fight on secondary issues. God, we're going to fight for the real issue. That is the person of Jesus. That is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. That is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's our message. That's our battleground. That's what we want to dance around. That's what we want to, to share with our community, Father. So, Lord, I pray as we go from this place, just watch over us, God. And, Lord, I pray for every person in this room, every person that's here today, in the next seven days, give us an opportunity to share the cross. Give us an opportunity, every one of us, to share with somebody out there that doesn't yet know about it, how good you are and what you did for us through that man, Jesus Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, 
bless you guys. For those of you that are visiting, it's not sort of always that sombre. Um, but when you when you when I've you know I read that stuff and I just think about these younger generation and so on and maybe some of you guys are solid in your faith but I'll tell you what there's a lot of people that aren't and 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 this is one of the problems it's we we say social media is a wonderful thing because we can influence people that's a great thing but I tell you what it comes with a great responsibility and you can hurt a lot of people too so I won't get going on that one <laughs> rightio bless you guys have a good week